Hey there, friends and foes. Welcome to Back of the Cereal Box Presents Saturday Matinee Movies. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica, but you can call me Johnny. And after the breakfast cereal, after the cartoons, after Saturday morning TV, when I was a kid, we were hanging out at the movie theater, and this show is all about that experience. I dig into my Blu-rays and DVDs and share a brand new movie review with you every week and help you find your new favorite or maybe rediscover it. And this week's episode is a little bit different. We're going to be talking about the top five movies of the 1980s, and we're going to do that right after these messages. All right, friends and foes, we are going to talk about the top five movies of the 1980s. Now, I reached out to our community on Facebook, on the Back of the Cereal Box Virtual Rec Room Facebook group, and I asked the question, what is the number one movie of the 1980s? And we had about 40 entries from me and other listeners and members of the community who added tons of movies. And every single time someone added a new movie that I hadn't thought about, I was like, oh, what a great choice. Kind of like this choice from Cindy Kep. Hello there, this is Cindy Kep reporting to you about my favorite movies of the 1980s. It really kind of depends on what you're looking for. For absolute hilarity, you can't go wrong with Clue. But if action and sci-fi is more your thing, um, my two best recommendations would be uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi and The Last Starfighter. Check you later. Oh, man. Last Starfighter. I can't believe I forgot to put that on my original list. What a great, great movie. There were so many great movies of the 80s. Goonies, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, The Untouchables. So many, so many. Too many to list. Um, and, And the 1980s were formative for me. Those movies define my generation and my youth. So without further ado, let's get to the top five movies of the 1980s as voted on by you, our listeners, in our Facebook community group at the back of the cereal box virtual rec room. We're going to start with number five. Number five debuted 1981, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, when it was first debuted, it was just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Lucas and Spielberg added on Indiana Jones and the later on when it was clear that it was going to become a trilogy and then four films and now working on the fifth. But 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark debuted. And I remember as a kid sitting in that theater, just captivated And I got to tell you, the face-melting scene was horrifying. It scared the bejesus out of me. What 
and, and look, the special effects still hold up pretty well today. If you didn't know, they used jello molds to do that and blew hair dryers on the jello molds to get them to melt and then they sped up the uh the film. But uh Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, Debbie Allen as Marion Ravenswood, what an amazing amazing movie, high adventure and little known fact. Raiders of the Lost Ark was originally pitched as a Doc Savage movie. A an attempt to re vitalize the classic pulp hero doc savage it was going to be a very pulpy diesel punk adventure and the studios rejected that pitch and so spielberg and lucas went back they tweaked it and we got indiana jones and raiders of the lost ark but even though they did not tilt into that real diesel punk aesthetic with cybernetic Nazis and future technology. The film is still considered the first official diesel punk movie. And it's interesting to note that the reason the studios rejected the idea of a Doc Savage movie is because in 1974, just a few years earlier, there was a big budget big screen version of Doc Savage that absolutely tanked and failed at the box office and nobody at Paramount was ready to give that character another try. Up next, from 1987, in my opinion, the greatest vampire movie ever. Thou shalt not kill people are strange when you're a stranger. I am, of course, talking about the classic, classic vampire film, The Lost Boys, with the two Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, Jason Patrick, and, of course, that iconic role by Kiefer Sutherland. If ever I wanted to be a vampire, I wanted to be David. We had Kiefer Sutherland's David versus Jason Patrick's Michael, and what a phenomenal film. If ever there was a film that defined the style, fashion, and music of the 1980s, it is The Lost Boys. Not only is it the best vampire movie ever made, I think it is the finest performance that Kiefer Sutherland has ever given. Unbelievable. Just phenomenal. I don't have anything else to say about that. It comes in at number four. And moving right on to number three, 1985. The power of love. Is a curious thing. I'm talking about Back to the Future, 1985, Steven Spielberg, Chris Columbus. What an amazing movie. Boom. Back to the Future, Marty McFly, Doc Brown. We had an all-star cast. We had Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown, 
and one of my all-time favorite actresses, Leia Thompson, as Mrs. McFly, um, Lorraine McFly, Marty's mom. Yikes. <laughs> that whole Oedipus complex thing was so creepy. I, I can't even describe it because I had a huge crush on Leah Thompson. Crispin Glover plays George McFly. What an amazing set. Just what an amazing job of casting they did on him because he really didn't have to do any acting. He is really that weird in real life. But here's a little known fact about Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox wasn't originally the one cast. The original Marty McFly was Eric Stoltz. And many of you know Eric Stoltz from um, Some Kind of Wonderful. He was in Mask with Cher. Phenomenal actor. But he just wasn't clicking as Marty McFly. And Michael J. Fox was coming off a huge success on the... um, on the TV show Family Ties as Alex P. Keaton, and he was box office gold. So halfway through filming, they replaced Eric Stoltz, and they reshot everything with Michael J. Fox, and we got the brilliant movie that it is today. And it kicked off, in my opinion, the third best film trilogy franchise of all time, behind Indiana Jones and behind the Star Wars franchise. What's so great about Back to the Future is that it really encapsulates the 80s with the music, the style, the technology, the throwback to the 1950s, which when that movie came out, the 1950s were kind of like what the 1980s are today. Just a great movie, really one of those films that defined my generation, and as a franchise, second only to Indiana Jones and Star Wars, which, by the way, leads us to pick number two. We're up to movie number two on the top five movies of the 1980s, and I mentioned it coming into this segment, and it should be no surprise to anyone that number two is The Empire Strikes Back, the second film in the original Star Wars trilogy. And The Empire Strikes Back, starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, and introducing, well, hello, what have we here? Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. The Empire Strikes Back, in my opinion, is one of a handful of what I would consider perfect movies. It's perfect in casting. It's perfect in the script. It's perfect in the pacing. It's perfect in the story. You don't have to have seen Star Wars A New Hope to appreciate The Empire Strikes Back. And for me, it's right up there with movies like The Untouchables, Shawshank Redemption, and several others that I would consider perfect movies, uh, like Ghostbusters. Just a perfect film all the way around. 
phenomenal film, 1980. And what I love about the Star Wars franchise is that all of the special effects that we have today were created and originated with Lucasfilm and THX and created for that franchise, including the technique of using matte paintings as the backdrop. Now, George Millay had done that in the early 1900s on his films, but it was much different. He had used paintings as backdrops on a soundstage. This was taking Ralph McQuarrie's original painted artwork and digitally imposing it into the frame to create a virtual backdrop. Phenomenal work. And Empire Strikes Back, directed by Irving Kirshner. It's all about the relationships. It's it's a phenomenal movie. It's my favorite of the Star Wars franchise. And listen, I am a Star Wars freakosaurus. To me, Star Wars is oxygen. There's no such thing as a bad Star Wars movie. So for me to say that it is the best of the franchise is saying a lot. And obviously, a lot of our fans agree because they voted it the number two best movie of the 1980s. And that is going to bring us to the number one movie of the 1980s right after this. All right, guys and gals, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you are, I want to encourage you to also check us out on YouTube and Facebook, Back of the Cereal Box, like, comment, subscribe, and share those episodes. Share this episode with two, three hundred of your closest friends and family, and stick around to hear the number one movie pick of the 1980s, and then stick around to find out how you can be entered in our monthly giveaway. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for, the number one movie of the 1980s, as voted on by you, our Back of the Cereal Box listening and viewing family. To recap, at number five, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number four, Lost Boys. Number three, Back to the Future. Number two is The Empire Strikes Back. And the number one movie of the 1980s, as voted by you, is... Drumroll, please. The Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. Eh, 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 eh. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Judd Nelson, Emilio Estevez... Molly Ringwald, Michael Anthony Hall, Ali Sheedy, The Breakfast Club. Did I mention Judd Nelson? The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club is the number one movie of the 80s. I cannot disagree with this at all. This movie, more than any of the others on the top five, encapsulates my high school experience perfectly. It came out also in 1985, the same year as Back to the Future, and I knew every single one of those characters in real life. I knew people exactly like that. And that movie 
resonated with me on such a deep, profound level. Now, the only character that was missing was the band geek or choir dork, the theater glee club kid. But that doesn't matter. I wouldn't have been in detention on a Saturday anyway. But, (laughs) so I wasn't a character in that movie. But all of the other characters I completely related to, I knew them personally, not the actors, but those characters. I knew Claire. I knew Bender. I knew um, Sporto. I knew, you know, the artist. I knew them all. And that principle um, in, in The Breakfast Club reminded me so much of Mr. Flod. Mr. Flod. Mr. Flod was seven feet tall with a porno mustache and these super long, lanky arms. And back then, you still got paddled. And, dude, he could wind up and send you through the wall. Everyone was terrified of Mr. Flod. So the Breakfast Club completely encapsulated that. And really, I think more than any other John Hughes movie, really shows us that we're really not that different. We're all connected by the things that are similar. And ultimately in that story, what brought them together were those similarities. Instead of letting their differences separate them, they learned how to acknowledge and appreciate what was similar. And um, I think that's great. I would love to think that after that movie, as John Bender is walking across the football field and throws his hand in the air, that the Breakfast Club gang remained friends throughout high school. I don't know. I don't know. I would love to know what you think. What happened to the Breakfast Club gang? And do you, like me, consider St. Elmo's Fire kind of a sequel to the Breakfast Club? I would love to hear your comments. So please post your comments, post us a review, and ooh, I promised to let you know how to win our monthly giveaway. Here's all you got to do. Go to YouTube, go to Facebook, like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and post a comment on any post. Every time someone does that, they are entered into our monthly giveaway for board games, trade paperbacks, artwork, books, music, cool stuff that we have in our prize closet. So you want to get on board with that and be a part of our monthly giveaway, and that's how you do it. I would ask one last thing. If you like this show, if you like this episode, please share it with two, three hundred of your closest friends and family, and post a review on the pod the podcast platform of your choice be it iTunes or Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this, post a review, make it good, help boost us in the ratings and boost us in the algorithms. That would be great. I would appreciate it tremendously. All right. So, 
just to recap, the top five films in order. Number five, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number four, Lost Boys. Number three, Back to the Future. Number two, Empire Strikes Back. And the number one movie of the 1980s, The Breakfast Club. I got to agree with that list. It's pretty strong. Pretty strong. Hard to argue with. But if you think something deserves to be there in place of something else, please let us know. On Facebook, join the community, Back of the Cereal Box, Virtual Rec Room, and let your voice be heard. All right, guys and gals, that is it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 